Ahoy hoy everybody, this is Andrew of the Amusement Sparks podcast. Today we've got two special guests. That hasn't happened for a while, but I'm very excited to announce Ben and Sarah from Scream Scene Podcast. How are you two doing? Great. Great, thank you. Wow, you naturally took turns and everything. Look at that. (laughs) (laughs) So Scream Scene is a podcast where you guys talk about horror movies as you can kind of guess by the title and by the amazing like image that you have like little logo for the podcast but um where did the idea for that show come from and like what is it um at the time i was working at a radio station um and getting my cutting my teeth on editing audio and i told ben we should do a podcast we always talk about movies Let's record that and do a podcast. But Ben has a very particular way of doing things, and he wanted to come up with this structure. So maybe he can talk Mm. about that. Well, so, yeah, like Sarah said, okay, so first off, Sarah and I are married in (gasps) addition to being co-hosts. Oh, my God, you heard it here first, folks. They are so (laughs) professional that you don't see that online anywhere. You don't hear it in the podcast. I didn't even know what your last names were because you're just like, you're just you seem like completely like professional podcasters it's really cool the quality of your show and i don't know if that's from your guys experience in the past with with production but man it's a really professional sounding show and like you like i said earlier i didn't even know you two were married until i like snooped around on your social media and i'm like there's something (laughs) going on here thank you well yeah so as sarah was just saying she has a background in radio production i have a background in film and television production um so i've done like local news before, like really, really local. Um, and, uh, you know, she's done stuff. So we, we both have that kind of background. So that might be the professionalism that you hear coming through. Um, but yeah, we're married. We live together. Um, when we watch movies, we tend to have big, long conversations discussing them afterwards um, because... Or nerds. Yes, but also, um, so my... Uh, degree from university is in film studies and in fact the two of us met in our first year of university in film studies uh like 201 um you know i was taking it for my degree sarah was taking it as a elective um but that's where we met so that's kind of the background of our relationship is analyzing film uh i guess you could say that's so cool you're just so professional about it and it's like you're elaborating clearly on what you mean and you're not just saying oh it it reminds me of our neighbor that does this it's like there's no like inside stories or inside references it's like you're both adding so much to the conversation i I don't know it's just it's it's a great podcast i really like what you both bring to it and contribute to it it's like they both know what they're talking about um you're both equally matched and you you kind of focus on different areas of each film which is really cool like ben you focus more maybe on the the history or where that specific film fits in to a larger history and then sarah you focus on kind of more the cultural implications or maybe the film Mm -hmm. as literature if you want to say it that way is that intentional that you divide it up like that yes absolutely Uh, because my academic backgrounds in film studies and sarah's is in um communication and literature so well there you go (laughs) natural way yeah to to do that when we kind of decided to do the show A lot of our decisions on how to format it came from both what I wanted to hear in a podcast, like making the show I wanted to make. And same with Sarah, like making the show we wanted to make. Like we didn't engineer the show to be popular 
I guess you could say, mm -hmm. right? We, we tried not to second guess ourselves with that. It was just, let's make the show we want to make. And then if people like it, they like it. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing was sort of a little bit of a laundry list of like things I didn't like in other podcasts and not doing that. And so it was important to me that we kind of knew what we were talking about, that we researched what we were talking about, that we were informative. Um, well, for one thing, there's a million movie podcasts. Like, I think a couple of people watch a movie and talk about it is maybe the most common podcast format aside from true crime. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Like, a lot of those shows have more of a, like, these people have just picked a movie at random and, you know, they might read some sentences off the Wikipedia page or something for background. And I kind of wanted to avoid that. I kind of wanted to make it clear that, like, we knew what we were talking about and we were informative and... We wanted to go beyond the surface level of, hey, we watched this movie, now let's just talk around it or whatever. You wanted, and I wanted this too, of being able to talk about something and go into depth about what this movie is trying to say. Yeah, mm -hmm. and another big part of that too was we decided, when we decided to have a structure for it, it was like, okay, well, instead of picking movies at random, let's pick a genre. And then we can make our way through this genre. And then the idea to do it chronologically really came from me because that's just the way that my brain processes things. Like I have to have things in chronological order. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to be examining, you know, each episode of the show looks at a different movie, but you could say that the meta plot of the show is looking at the history of the horror genre in general. And if you're going to look at a whole genre, and especially because we decided on this um, format where we watch the movie and then we rank them on this list of from best to worst, we felt like, you know, it's way easier, I think, to make determinations about how good something is if you're examining it in context, right? Exactly. So we're seeing these movies and we're doing them chronologically. So when we see a movie, we know, okay, well, we can fairly compare this to the movies that were coming out at the time. Um, we know if this is good or bad for the period. A lot of times when people go back to old movies, um, they might watch a movie and go like, oh, well, the special effects in this were really bad or the pacing was really bad or I didn't like the performances or whatever. And it's, you know, in their head, what they're doing is they're comparing it to like a modern movie they saw yesterday. Right. And when you see movies in their context of what else was being made in that genre at the time, you can suddenly recognize, oh, this is actually really good. Because I know that because I've seen 10 other movies made this same year that were terrible, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, um, so that's really important to me is, is having that through line. The reason we chose horror is kind of interesting because we both like horror movies. And horror is an interesting genre for Sarah to do what she wanted to do with the show, which was talk about society and, and culture as we move through time um, because horror yeah. always reflects what people were afraid of then mm -hmm. right it's it's mm -hmm. not about like if you're watching a movie about a vampire it's not about a vampire right it's about the vampire is a metaphor for whatever that filmmaker wanted it to be right and it's usually something germane to the period and so that's cool that makes horror cool to talk about mm -hmm. some movies the vampire is just a vampire, but you know, for <laughs> quite a few movies, the vampire means something. Right, and, either to the director or to the audience or both, and it could be something different depending on when you're watching the film, too. 
Oh, exactly. And also the other reason we went with horror is because it's not actually either of our favorite genres. Hmm. Um, it's, it's a genre we both like, but it wasn't the favorite for either of us. And we did that really pointedly because what I wanted to avoid is a structure that I see a lot in husband wife podcasts, which is one of them's the expert and one of them's the idiot. And so like, if we were going to do science fiction, for instance, as our genre, like that's one of my favorite genres. I know everything about it already. We aren't discovering things together. It would be like me lecturing Sarah and it wouldn't make her come off very well. Yes. And this, your show does not do that at all. It feels conversational. It feels like you mm -hmm. both just saw the movie for the first time, mm -hmm. even though you already have some knowledge about it. But it's cool that you do a little bit of discussion before the film, then you watch it, and then you return and discuss it on the air. So it feels like it's a fresh thing, which gets the benefit of those shows where it's just some friends pick a random movie and just watch it and, you know, just talk off the top of their mind about it. But it, it also has the kind of more historical or like more thoughtful discussion that's prepared. Um, so it kind of gets the best of both of those worlds to me as a as a listener where I'm learning something as I go through, but it doesn't feel like I'm being like taught something. It doesn't feel like a dissertation. It feels <laughs> like a conversation between two people who noticed different things about the film or come to it with different mm -hmm. areas of expertise. So I'm just I'm a big fan. So I definitely recommend the show to anyone who hasn't listened to Scream Scene yet. Check it out. Thank you so oh, much. Thanks, Andrew. That's great. Sure. And as a podcaster, you guys, I don't think you've missed a single week. Is that correct in, in posting? Well, uh, we did miss one week. Um, oh, that's right. We've missed one. Yeah. I scrolled through uh, Spotify and I'm like, it literally, there's, uh, there's like four episodes a month at least since 2017. That is crazy. So the only week that we missed was we were getting ready for our episode on the 1954 Gojira, which mm. is a very big film. Um, it means a lot to both Ben and I um, being the first Godzilla movie. And it was coming at a time where we had just moved and um, we had to go and take care of some other personal things. And it was just like, you know what? Uh, we're not going to be able to give this episode the weight it deserves unless we take a week off um so it's, that's the only time that we've taken yeah. a week off that's amazing that's yeah, we've incredible done 189 episodes and we've yeah missed one week <laughs> that's insane <laughs> this show comes out every three weeks and i've still had to do like two of them were like late i mean i had valid reasons each time but it's like just I know the amount of work that goes into it and the fact that you guys do a lot of research beforehand. I mean, I do some research for this show, but not nearly as much as I'm sure you two do that. Uh, it's super impressive that that you have such a consistent schedule. It's it's amazing. Like five stars on that. It's it's really Thank impressive. You. Thank you. Yeah, we, oh, thought, we, uh, we think it's very important, um, especially because we're a niche show. So we can't I at least my feeling is like we can't rely on. Um, you know, if, if we miss a bunch of weeks, that people will be back. That, that's mm. at least that's my fear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, we've been doing it for three years, but, uh, you know, that's that's how I feel about it anyways. And yeah, I just think that um, one of the things I like the most about it is because we are, you know, in a lot of cases, discovering the movies for the first time with each other. There are some that we've seen before, or some that one of us has seen before, but a lot of the times it's 
stuff that neither of us have seen because the goal of the show is to watch every horror movie ever made in chronological order. And so you're finding stuff that you've never heard of because people talk about, you know, oh, movies were so much better back in the day, right? Like now Hollywood's so uncreative. And it's like, no, 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 no. Hollywood was already always uncreative. There was always <laughs> sequels. There was always remakes. There was right? always this kind of stuff. Rip-offs. Rip yeah. Um, the thing is, is that time sifts classics to us, mm. right? The movies yeah. that people still watch from the 1940s are the good ones, but every major studio in Hollywood in the 1940s was putting out a movie a week, you know, and mm -hmm. they were just churning stuff out. There's a lot of crap that was made <laughs> there. And so when you're watching everything, you get to discover the crap. <laughs> As well right. as the thing that was important to me was giving people, giving the listener, if they wanted to watch these movies along with the show, what the tools that they needed to watch them. Because old movies can be a bit of a hurdle for some people to go back to, um, depending on how much exposure they've had to them. And a big part of what can help is understanding more of the history or the context that the movie was made in. So that was, uh, Sarah just talked about our Godzilla episode, and that was a huge one for me to get right for that, because for a lot of people, Godzilla is a goofy, campy, silly thing to laugh at. But if you go back to the original film, and if you think about the context it was made in, which is post-war Japan, um, mm -hmm. just after the U.S. occupation had ended, and you realize that it's a movie about working through the trauma of having a nuclear bomb dropped on you twice, as well as having nuclear tests in your backyard that are killing your fishermen and making your tuna radioactive and doing all these things. Um, having all that context can make you understand why that movie isn't a joke and give you a new appreciation for it, you know, or the countless movies made in the States in the 1950s that are cold war allegories or whatever. Right. Um, once you, have the context you can engage with the movie a lot better because you're engaging with it on its own terms and so that's the main goal for me of the show is helping people have those tools when they go to watch one of these movies that's amazing it, it's also kind of fun it's it's weird to listen to the show and hear you both you know just be kind of conversational and natural but it almost feels like the only movies that have ever existed. It's like, it feels like you were recording the show in like 1951 or whatever, because you only reference <laughs> films that came out before that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of purposeful. It's so cool that you're not referencing, you know, modern stuff all the time, which most movie podcasts do obviously, but it feels almost like you're going through a time travel type thing through <laughs> history starting, you know, I mean, you've covered what 50 or 60 years of, of horror films already. Yeah, 1895 yeah. to 1955, so 60 wow. years. So you're, what, halfway done, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, logically. Um, <laughs> the It is very, like, part of putting the movies in their context is, and, and, and you know, only talking about them in that context so that they can be properly judged on their own terms is kind of like pretending as though the future doesn't, exist right that like mm -hmm. you're only judging the movie based on 
the world that it exists in rather than saying, well, this isn't scary because I know in 20 years, you know, Halloween's going to come out. Like, right. yeah, but that's not really fair mm-hmm. to say like, mm-hmm. oh, well, this isn't, you know, scary because there are, are movies in the future that are scarier. It's like, well, but how is it scary compared to the movies that exist then when it came out? Because it's it's otherwise it's not a fair comparison. Yeah, it really lets you appreciate when ground is broken and new things are tried and when this new effect is appearing for the first time, it's not just who's doing it currently, it's who did it first is is kind of cool to appreciate as it comes through. I always like those little things, even when like a little piece of trivia only happened for a week. Like there was one week when uh, Cheers was the longest running uh, primetime show of all time, but it was literally for one week and then the record was broken. <laughs> like I love that kind of stuff, like those little tiny blips in history that you don't notice unless you're going through kind of meticulously and going through chronologically. Otherwise there's, you would miss those things. You know, you would, yeah. like you said, the classics just kind of overshadow so much interesting stuff that, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool to go through. A big moment I remember was when we found the first movie that has like the teens in a car <laughs> making out. And then the monster like, you know, spoils their date night. It's one of the mummies. Yeah, it's the mummy's tomb. Um, yeah. And that was kind of wild because, like, that's such a big horror trope. But, you know, you don't think of, like, well, who did that first? Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah, that, that kind of stuff is always really neat to discover as we're going through, like, you know, where little things. Or the fact that, you know, we're now pretty aware of, you know, it, it, it's interesting to go back and find the things that people make fun of or parody all the time and go back to a time when those things were new and not jokes, genuine, genuine. Genuine. Wow. Um, Good word. Like how, how we discovered, you know, the original, Hey, if you want to inherit the money, you have to spend the night in this spooky house (laughs) story, right? Going back to the cat and the canary and going, Oh, this was like a legitimate plot. Once upon a time, this wasn't just like a stock sitcom story. Like, Wow. Yeah. That is so cool. There's so much to be appreciated about the history of cinema and the evolution in technology is kind of cool to follow along with. And like mm-hmm. what it's like to be an actor from the early days when the the character, the human playing the monster would do their own makeup. And then obviously nowadays things are done drastically different. But just seeing the evolution over time really gives you an appreciation for the evolution of cinema and the evolution of horror. It's It's really cool. Yeah, looking at any genre um, on its own kind of gives you a mini history of the development of film as you go, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's been really it's been really cool to do. Well, awesome. I'm, I'm super glad to, to have you guys on the show. I appreciate your time and your willingness to do this kind of weird, quirky, out-of-the-box thing. But uh, I like the idea of trying to make a horror theme park. Like, I, f- I feel like... Halloween is such a magical time. Horror is such a magical genre where it's kind of the intersection of fiction and reality more than a lot of other genres um, for many different reasons, I guess. But just the fact that it's film designed to make you feel something. So a lot of times it makes you feel something, you know, it comes to get you. It comes through the screen a lot more than other genres, I think. Um, So the idea of being able to walk into the world of horror it's kind of a crazy idea, but I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what we can come up with.
like you say, it's it's about interacting with what's strange and what's abnormal, you know, in a very human way, which is fear, um, you know, even more than science fiction where people interact with the strange and weird, but often it's with a sense of like wonder and curiosity, right? Right. Or it's, it's with fear and you're, you're so on the money about it, making you feel something the way we define horror for the show is, is the movie trying to make you scared? Like is, is the movie mm-hmm. trying to make you afraid of something? Because if it's not, it's probably not, horror it's probably something else um and i think it's it's a genre that translates really well to being interactive right and so it's not like this was i don't know it's kind of like a haunted house in a way where it it might have or various other you know themed entertainment that's scary it has a certain appeal to it, a certain draw to it but it's not like it's going to be a fun happy place to go to but there's some other part of the brain that that desires that you know i think you know it's an interesting kind of unusual thing to crave but i think a lot of us do crave that in the modern era we want something you know more than just like comfort and happiness all the time yeah and you can kind of see the the history of horror in things that i think would also be the history of theme parks with uh freak shows and circus shows even old school wax museums uh they all had a little like side area that was like more grotesque and would show like organs and decapitations and everything that would look very realistic but it's just wax it's all about like the grotesque and kind of tickling that that part of your brain um and obviously that still continues (laughs) it's like for me one of the reasons i enjoy horror films is i have a lot of anxiety and when you're watching a horror movie you can kind of be afraid and like scream and like yelp and like, you know, have all that tension released, mm-hmm. but like in a completely safe environment, right? Like nothing actually is coming to get you. Like, so it helps me at least kind of work through any anxiety or tension that I've been feeling by giving it a safe release point. And amusement parks are the same thing. It's giving us the excitement and the adrenaline rush that like, you know, I don't know, millions of years ago we used to get you know running away from saber-toothed tigers or whatever but you're <laughs> you're getting it in a totally safe environment right like you're you're the the amusement park rides you know your roller coasters and that kind of stuff like it's tricking your brain into thinking you're in danger but you're fine yeah so i mean in a way a lot of common uh kinds of tropes of amusement parks and like staples are already tapping into the same part of your brain that horror is tapping into, whether it's a haunted house or like a freak show type thing or just the rides in general. So I think that a lot of it will translate more than people might initially think when they see the title of this episode. You know, it's there's connections there and and you could do like uh, just kind of themed versions of roller coasters after different pieces of horror, or you can make a whole new experience that's more like a haunted house type of of experience where you're actually like walking through uh, these different, different vistas and different worlds. And there's all kinds of different ways we can go about, you know, brainstorming this, this theme park. Like we could start with specific types of settings that you guys are into, or we could start with certain types of attractions or what do you guys think? I think a great place to start is an old dark house. I think, yeah, like the haunted house is a pretty traditional um, amusement park go to uh whether it's 
a walkthrough or whether it's like more of a dark ride. Um, and so if you're doing a horror thing, you kind of have to, I think, address that off the bat. I think if it's a horror park, right, you need at least two haunted houses in it. Oh, yeah. And the reason as many I... as seven. <laughs> the reason I say at least two is because I think you need to have the spoopy haunted house that's got like ghosts yeah. and skeletons and Dracula and like it can look like, you know, the Adams family house or it can look like Dracula's castle or whatever mm -hmm. that kids can go through and be scared in. Because people forget that kids love to be scared. Oh, yeah. Kids love Halloween, right? Kids love all that stuff. So, you know, and kids are going to go to an amusement park. So have a haunted house that's like the Frankenstein's monster, Dracula, Wolfman haunted house, right? Mm -hmm. And then have another haunted house that's, you know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Cool. Because the, cause the thing that people forget about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is that, you know, it's not... Um, People lump Leatherface in with like uh, Michael Myers and um, Jason. Jason. Yeah. And he's very different than those two because those guys are stalkers. Right. Leatherface just lives in a house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some people are just crashing his house. Yeah. And he's just like living in his house with his weird family. And the classic horror movie that the old. Um, that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is closest to is like the old dark house from 1932, which is just like a weird movie where some people's car breaks down and they have to spend the night in this weird old house with this weird, creepy family that has weird secrets. And that's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? Right. Yeah. So like have that version of the haunted house as well. That's like really weird and really creepy with, you know, your, your uh, lamp with the skin, lampshade and you're oh, like yeah. bones hanging from the ceiling and you know hire your um your performers to be leatherface and to be the hitchhiker and to be the the grandfather and stuff and you know be in different rooms every time as people go through and stuff right that's really cool And I've been thinking kind of recently, thinking about, you know, COVID and stuff like that, how that impacts mm. themed entertainment, and also trying to think about horror, too, and how some of the things that get me the most, like, scared or pumped when I'm watching a horror movie is when someone can't get away from something or they're trapped in a place. And I think the thing that makes uh, haunted houses, in my experience, kind of boring or feel more safe is that you're, move you're constantly walking the whole time and you're in a huge, long line of people. But right. I think maybe with COVID, they might be able to, to change it where the door is the door shuts behind you. There's no one else in the room except for the actors. And like you just have an unknown amount of time before the next door opens and you get to escape from there. I think that would add so much tension and anxiety and like actual yeah. excitement to the moment, like so much more adrenaline. If you're not just like, you know, touching the person in line in front of you and you obviously can see where you're headed, uh, making it a little bit more interactive like that could be really uh really really crazy and and really interesting i think i don't remember what they call rides that have a system like that like in my mind i'm thinking of saying like the ride is has instances which is just like a mmo term yeah but i think like, that term makes sense I, I don't know if i've heard a specific uh definition for this kind of idea but yeah when it's 
Because um, you have rides like that at like Universal Studios and stuff where they'll take so many people in one group and then they go do the thing and you have to wait. And I think if you had a haunted house where we take, you know, the one family at a time or the, the you know, six people at a time, they go in, the doors shut and you're just in there for, you know, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is. Uh, and then the door gets to open at the end and you get to escape, right? The the more like Texas Chainsaw version of this house that's kind of leaning more on the grotesque, I feel like that should probably be a dark ride where you're in a little vehicle that's pulling you mm -hmm. through. You still get stuck in an area and so you're like not sure how long you're going to be there. Um, whereas the spoopy house where, you know, you have the spooky creepy whatever's for kids that can be a, like kids can just run through and scare themselves and have more of that like laughing fun laughing right. scariness going on because you're still in control of that whereas in the grotesque one you're stuck in this machine and you don't know when you're going to get out let alone when you move to the next room i love that in the the grotesque one you could be like restrained like it, it's like yeah. you know we come up with a story reason for it but like you're strapped to this wheelchair or whatever and like they're just doing what they want to around you or you're observing this little scene a little vignette and then you get wheeled into the next room there's so many horror movies that find ways to do a haunted house without doing a haunted house right i mean the um old style you know state asylum is like a a very common go-to right where you you're, you're strapped into a, a straight jacket and in a wheelchair and you're trapped in the you know loony bin um or you look at like halloween 2 uh the the original halloween 2 not the <laughs> zombie halloween 2 or the sequel to halloween that is just also called halloween you know what i mean uh, yeah the 80 halloween 2 the first um, halloween 2 <laughs> that's in a like it's in the world's like least staffed and like most decrepit hospital ever <laughs> where it's like, there's like two hospital staff and then Jamie Lee Curtis in like a room and like, that's it. <laughs> and like Michael Myers is in there somewhere. Like uh, alien is a haunted oh, house. Yeah. Yeah. You're just trapped on a spaceship instead of um, the haunted house. Uh, the thing is a haunted house, but it's a Arctic research station right yeah those are all amazing and those could be cool i mean this exact same kind of format basically where it feels like you can run around and maybe it's like a really simple or slow or um sparse escape room almost like to get the next door to open you have to do something first whether that's hide from the slasher who's coming after you for you know you have to be absolutely silent for long enough and out of sight to where they give up on you and then the next door opens or whatever. Yeah. It could be kind of cool like to make that. it a little interactive like that instead of just, I have to wait for a certain amount of time. Um, but that could be kind of cool. Cause then you can give people the chance to run around and everything. Um, a little more like the kids one, I guess where, um, cause if we're going to have multiple different ha haunted houses, I like the idea of one where people are totally restrained, but then also maybe one where you can, uh, get some of that adrenaline out of your system by like, you know, running and trying to hide and stuff. Oh man, maybe just like a hide and seek area that could be like a slasher. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. I love that. The group should be small. So you still feel like it's just you and your friend. Yeah. Like not in a group of 20, it's just the two of you. 
and yeah, you're running room to room, maybe um, instructions flash out to say like, hide now. And so you have to hide or you can choose to hide or you can choose to confront the actor in some yeah. sort of way. Right. There could be some kind of like weapon in the room. Like uh, there's a, a rule on the show of like, it's okay to blast someone with like a laser gun, but you're not allowed to punch anybody because obviously <laughs> that will actually hurt them. Whereas the laser gun just looks and feels like it's hurting them. So we could do something like that where there's, you know, some kind of weapon you can find and connect and build, you know, combine the pieces together or whatever. Um, that could be really cool. I, I like that idea, giving some, some options. That would be kind of like a make your own story situation too, because your experience, if you go in with a home bat is going to be completely different than if you can't find the weapon. I think what you would want to have in the park is different themed areas, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have your, the same way that, you know, Disneyland has its different lands. You want to have your, uh, one area can be your uh, public domain <laughs> Halloween <laughs> monsters. I mean, I was about to say the universal monsters, but like the universal monsters are for the like most part, aside from, I think, Gilman, all public domain the wolfman is a specific thing but like you just replace him with a generic werewolf right but like dracula frankenstein's monster those guys are public domain nobody owns the idea of a mummy right so the universal monsters are the same as the hammer horror monsters it's just a different um aesthetic so so have one section that's your halloween monsters right vampires werewolves uh sure mummies. a little more classic yeah traditional stuff and then you have like another land that's like your 80s slasher land yeah right and you know and you can have a different haunted house in each land right and then you have another land that's your found footage land right so like one haunted house is dracula's castle and one haunted house is the texas chainsaw massacre home and then like in found footage land it's paranormal activity where like all the doors and shelves and stuff oh all, all move <laughs> and bang as you're going through the house and you can like you know how on a on a roller coaster ride they'll give you like the photo of your faces during the drop <laughs> paranormal activity house gives you like a little like mini dv tape of like yes. the uh security oh, right that you move through the house and, and then, you just set up security cameras in every room you know multiple angles and then that that is one i'm i love that series uh paranormal activity because i think it'd be so fun for something like this if there's another attraction where you're the one setting off the traps you're oh, playing yeah. the the Ooh. entity so you get to choose which door slams when and like okay shake the chandelier now and okay uh this thing's gonna catch on fire now like you're almost doing the the special effects coordination on really somebody good. else <laughs> that's really good yeah that would be I a really it. fun way to run that ride is is to have or that attraction to have people who go in and people who play the the entity oh, um man that'd be so then, creepy you know in your 80s slasher land, you know, you're going to have uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing. You're going to have like a little, um, what you would want to have definitely is like a little um, paddle boat lake mm -hmm. that, you know, <laughs> that, 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 that Jason can hide in. Like, oh like kid zombie Jason from the first 
right? Right. Have him pop out from the water and grab people. And then I think, you know, obviously you also are going to have your your wandering characters, right? Uh, so instead of like Goofy and Mickey wandering around, you'll have um, Dracula and you'll have, uh, you know, uh, wandering the 80s slasher land, you have Jason, right? And I think what would be really scary is if one of your wandering monsters, like I think the best one for this is Michael Myers, can go outside of his land so Michael Myers can pop up anywhere in the park. Wow. Oh, that'd be fun. You know, and instead of the the cast members at the park being there to, you know, take pictures with you and hug your kids, they're there to pop out and scare you, <laughs> right? Oh, my You God. tell your cast members, like, okay, like, stay in your zone that you wander in, and then, like, when you spot, like, a good family or, like, a couple on a date or something, pick them and, like, stalk them for a while till you can get to, like, a good spot to, like come out and scare them right that's really cool further though one step further is the other stock characters in horror movies the like breeding couple that might survive the end have them wander around i just i want a david manners running around yelling mina mina where are you (laughs) yeah absolutely um you could do a role-playing thing with that too like maybe you can help them complete some kind of quest and so Ooh. that's a way of getting them, getting more part guests involved in this story where it's like, you know, last time I saw him, he was in this house, like, and then you can go with them into that house and it's one of the haunted houses or something like that. You can have it be interactive and different um, characters can just kind of pop up and not even be aggressively chasing you. Like something that is really haunting to me is when a slasher type, you know, character is just kind of in the distance and they see you and they're just like slowly moving towards you like that is so scary like if you just have one of those characters in maybe each land like someone who has a similar role to play Mm -hmm. and they just kind of don't actually chase anybody but they're just kind of standing there you know being creepy yeah they're there so that when you yeah when you turn the corner they're just there right that's that's a very michael myers thing to do what a great job that would be like it's like working in a haunted house but you have no danger of someone just punching you instinctively it's like (laughs) You're like, you know, 30 yards away from anybody, but you're just kind of menacingly slowly walking around. Also, you should have moving sidewalks that only activate for cast members so that monsters can just glide forward towards you. You know, like, so you can have Dracula's wife, you know, in the big, long, white flowing gown, but she just glides towards you, that kind of thing. That's really cool. I, I love the idea of doing practical special effects like that too. That's so fun. Oh man, I feel sorry for the janitor at this place though, because they're going to be cleaning up so many of those like blood packets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have squibs just everywhere. You'd have to have a whole land that was just zombies. Like there's yeah. so much zombie content that they would have to get their own park section. Right? right. That could even be its own like episode of the show that could be its own land but yeah i was thinking when you're talking about the different types of haunted houses i was like night of the living dead would be kind of a cool experience or Mm -hmm. any kind of zombie you know thing a lot of those tropes were kind of set up there it's like the same as um call of duty zombies or whatever like you're just you're in a house trying to protect yourself and like barricade yourself in i think that's that's a really scary and intense interactive experience you know maybe you could nail different boards to the wall like the windows and the doorways and stuff but over time they're just gonna be knocked down and you're gonna have to retreat further into the house and 
I, I don't know how it ends, <laughs> but uh, it would be really, really intense while it's going on for sure. Maybe you get rescued, and there's that's the a roller coaster. It's like you know you oh. find some kind of like a some way of escaping through the roof, and then you have to like zip line across the street and just like make a run for it or something. There should definitely be a certain time of day where there's like a, a park wide announcement that like the zombies are gonna break out of zombie land and guests have yeah. to like go to zombie land to like stop them from breaking into the rest of the park or something oh, cool. like that. Yeah. That's Andrew, really fun. I do have a question for you though. Okay. Uh what kind of zombies are we talking here? Are we talking like the slow moving or are we talking like very fast, aggressive ones? I don't know. I think different ones in different contexts. Because uh, I like, they're both valid forms of horror for sure. <laughs> the slow moving ones exist on a different time scale almost. Like it's almost like, I don't know, the kind of stuff I think is scary about like Lovecraftian stuff is like, mm. they're not after you. They don't know, they don't even know you're there. Like they're just it's it's almost like a force of nature almost like it's it's such a huge yeah. a larger scale that your life is in, insignificant and they're going to almost accidentally kill you or they're going to kill you just because mm. they can smell you and like they don't even know that what you are um versus the the faster ones are obviously much more actively scary because they know you're there and they're coming to get you so i do think there's a place for both of those uh the ones that run up to you have like i said much more of a danger of getting punched in the face by you know some, some <laughs> person's instincts or slapped on accident or whatever so maybe a little bit of a armor or like a, a mask underneath the zombie makeup would be good so they don't get a, their nose broken but it'd be really yeah. fun to do both forms i do love the idea of you saying like zombies both of you are valid <laughs> right. they are i don't want to put anybody down or make anybody uh, <laughs> I think in the uh, in the '80s slasher uh, land, um, if anyone is gonna have like a like a 4D ride, right, where you're like in the motion car and you've got the 3D film playing and you're you know in the in the dark thing, right, with a bunch of people, I think that's got to be Freddy Krueger. So you can do all kinds of weird dreamscape yes, things I love that. with like 3D stuff coming out at people and and that kind of stuff. Wow. Yeah, that's really fun. And it could be, you could do all kinds of like, luckily most horror things are based, you know, have films around them where we can pretty easily adapt them into a 4D type of ride or a VR roller coaster. Um, and we can kind of pay homage to like the the 3D fads that have kind of come and gone through right. horror. I think that, that stuff is so fun. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Like, I I don't know if... It would just be a niche thing, and I don't think most of the audience, like most of the park guests, would get it. But for me personally, there has to be, you know, a wax museum, obviously. Yeah. Like a house of horrors, right? Like a, a House of Horrors wax museum, for sure. And outside that House of Horrors wax museum, there has to be a dude with a ping pong paddle, you know, on the string, like, just like, being the carnival barker for the house of wax, just like ping pong balling people like towards their face and stuff all the time. 
And you have you seen um, House of Wax? I've seen the remake, not the Paris Hilton. Yeah, so the I've original, seen the Paris Hilton vehicle. Yeah, not the Paris Hilton vehicle, but the original Vincent Price House of Wax. Fifty-three. Yeah, it was the first major Hollywood studio movie in three D. Um, there'd been three D stuff before, but it was indie stuff, and you know, there's stuff about it that's good with the, like, it's a good movie, but I mean, there's some 3D stuff that's good, but a lot of the 3D and 3D movies of the 50s tends to be of the, like, it's coming right at you variety. Right, so gimmicky, like, right. you couldn't do this in 2D. <laughs> so there's so there's literally a scene in the movie where Vincent Price's House of Wax opens up, and they've got this guy promoting it in the streets, and he's got, like, you know, one of those paddle boards with the ping pong ball <laughs> on the string, and he's hitting it towards camera constantly while he's talking and like handing out flyers or brochures or whatever to people. And like, it's just there. So the ping pong ball can go right into the camera <laughs> and then come right out at you while you're in the theater. It's the most gimmicky thing. It has no narrative purpose, but I just want that guy to be members. It's a reference for people who get it, and then people who don't get it are their attention is still drawn. Like, oh, what's that repetitive, annoying sound? Oh, it's one of those weird rubber ball <laughs> things. Oh, look, a wax museum. Yeah, exactly. It'd be cool too to have a drive-in. Um, I Ooh. I always love watching horror films in at the drive-in, and then you can have all kinds of uh, monsters creeping up on your car vehicle. You know the the trope of making out in your car or whatever, and everyone is in their own vehicle so you can have monsters just start attacking everybody who's on the perimeter of the drive-in and then eventually you could have a horde of zombies break through the screen and just chase everybody you know i i love it having like um almost like a section that's just outside the park where people are walking so that's where you could drive in yeah and it could be for events that aren't in the um the amusement park proper mm -hmm. you show some of these old like hardly known often terrible um movies and get them some love but then yes have uh you know maybe when someone's leaving the leaving the car they find a hook on the handle or something <laughs> oh yes And then obviously I think you want to have um, in the found footage section, you want to have a little park where you can like hand a guest like a cheap, um, you know, durable uh, camcorder. camcorder. Yeah. Love and then it. they can run through the, the, the forest with their little camcorder and, and, and have stuff, you know, to scare them out there and yeah. then they get to keep the, the tape when they leave or whatever. Right, I think that's great. And you could even have, if it's a digital camera, mm -hmm. the previous person's footage on there or a fake one that you, you know, a Hollywood team oh. of special effects people actually filmed and it just looks like that's whoever dropped the camera. Mm -hmm. you, you you find their footage, you can watch it and then you can tape over it with your own adventure. Oh, that'd be like so cool. Scavenger. Oh, yeah. And whoa, that's a great idea, too. Like, maybe there's clues in that footage so they can try to retrace the steps of these people who came before. And it's from 
like deeper into the forest with like creepier things going on and maybe you see some things moving in the background of the found footage thing on the camera like you see someone run past the person recording so you're getting more paranoid the deeper you get that is amazing wow and you can even do some cool like um kind of social media like uh i forget the word for it but kind of like an online scavenger hunt kind of thing arg yeah arg you could do arg type stuff um you know maybe people once they buy their tickets they get this strange email from like some sketchy email address but they can kind of follow some clues online and like maybe start to learn more about the lore or they just unlock like little teaser like sizzle reel type footage that they can find online like snuff film looking stuff but not actually like it's actually stuff from the theme park it's not like anything too gross or graphic but it's it's things to promote various parts within this theme park like that that could be so fun i love it especially the idea of the lore being something like extra that you don't Mm -hmm. need to engage with when you go into the park but if you want to it's there and it's needy oh yeah because there's so many like amusement park fans right who right. are just like, into amusement parks who like weird trivia about you know disney world and people who get really like into that kind of stuff they're gonna like love that kind of thing right if right. you put in those kind of weird things and they can just be in the background you know not something that everyone has to engage with but they're there for those people that's awesome i, I really love that and yeah you can just appreciate it just like a horror movie you know you can watch any entry in the Friday the 13th franchise without having seen any of the previous ones. And it's still fun, but if you've seen them all, then you can nerd out and you can read the IMDb trivia about it and all that stuff. You can appreciate it on different levels and with repeat viewings, just like going back to this theme park and participating in the ARG or not, you know? on friday the 13th there has to be like it's like jason day in the park like just all the (laughs) cast members are jason that's cool all out to get you and you can have them be different you can have them be different jasons too you can have like weird little zombie boy jason you can have uh the part two jason who has the bag over his head you know classic Mm -hmm. jason they're in their like usual costumes for whatever character they're in. So like Dracula, but then they have the Jason mask on them. And <laughs> yeah, you gotta have, you gotta have Robo Jason from Jason X in there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I really like that. And we kind of, we're talking about zombies too, or like these kind of big hordes of, of, you know, employees. I think it'd be mm-hmm. really fun to do those at various times. Like, you know, maybe. Have events. Yeah, have events, exactly. And maybe every night there's a big horde of zombies that invades the drive-in, you know, because the drive-in starts at at dark. The theme park, maybe some of the attractions start closing down. And so then those uh, cast members go change into their zombie outfits because we need, you know, all hands on deck at the end where everyone is a zombie chasing everybody else out of the park and into their cars. (laughs) That's how you you close at the end of the night. You just sweep everyone out with a horde of zombies. Yeah, absolutely. And then the zombies pick up a broom on their way back and tidy everything up. (laughs) Oh, that's fun.
what are your favorite genres of horror or subgenres? I guess is the right term. Just I want to make sure we're we're hitting your favorite points as well. Uh, for me, it's definitely okay. So it, I I lean towards most mostly gothic horror, where you know there's some kind of like tragic thing going on there. It's usually in a big dark spooky house. Um, there's usually a supernatural element to it that's unexplained. Um, have you seen Crimson Peak? No, I've never heard of it. Oh, it's from 2015 by Guillermo del Toro. And uh, that's kind of like a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Um, of just like being in this big house, uh, kind of alone. And everyone else in the house seems to have a secret and want to kill you a little bit. Um, but I think they've kind of covered that with some of these haunted houses. Crimson Peak's a movie that was almost like purpose designed to hit every gothic horror like trope on like the checklist, right? Like it's the gothic horror movie in a way. But the, the thing that's interesting about gothic horror is it speaks to the roots of the horror genre because when you go back far enough, you just have the gothic genre. And right. what came out of that genre like it, it's literally like threefold. Like you have this gothic genre, and that's stuff like Jane Eyre or Wuthering Heights or um, The Count of Monte Cristo, um, The Moonstone, stuff like that. Castle of Otranto. Yes, Castle of Otranto. Um, and then if you follow that genre forward, it splits into three, and it split the three genres that gothic splits into in the 20th century are mystery where you have your agatha christie like big mansion mysteries someone has died there's all these different characters there's family secrets but like you know it's not a horror story mm -hmm. right and i mean you know knives out isn't a horror movie but that's the line of descent that yeah. gets you there and then you have horror that comes out of gothic where okay well what if the you know byronic figure in the big spooky house isn't lord rochester what if he's a vampire what if he's dracula and then you kind of move forward from there and you have the haunted mm -hmm. house and you have the spookiness and you have the monster and like i said you know even today when they're not doing a haunted house horror is still doing a haunted house it's just we're putting you in different environments that you're still trapped in right uh whether it's the mall and dawn of the dead or what have you and then the third genre that comes out of gothic is romance and that's where you get your bodice ripping, you know, <laughs> kind of stuff where it's, it's, you know, and that, and that goes forward to this day as well, because that's the genre where you have the guy who, you know, is kind of maybe not right for you, but like, oh, but he's so magnetic and attractive. I mean, Twilight. You can right. say Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> the thing though is like these genres to this day continue to kind of like intersect around each other, like DNA helixes right Ooh. where where you had it start like jane eyre where you have the like young girl and she meets the mysterious dark guy in the big house and then like you can see that become dracula and you can see that become rebecca at the same time and then they can join back together later to become twilight and then you can spin off from twilight out of horror again to become 50 shades of gray well, that's a bit of a horror film for some people, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so these these genres connect a lot. So that's that's what I yeah. find really cool about, about gothic uh, 
horror is that it's this kind of progenitor to a lot of later stuff. Mm -hmm. That's a great description. Yeah. I love when genres intersect. Right. It's, it, it does make you appreciate both of those genres and it also can help you like, I don't know, maybe express yourself better when you're trying to like list some of your favorite movies. If they're all just single, uh, styles like they're all just this one pure genre that says something but that doesn't describe everyone you know some people need to mix their flavors a little bit um, myself included like i rarely like a, a movie that just squarely fits in one genre and doesn't even reference any of the other genres i like things to be a mix for sure horror does seem to taste really good with other flavors too um you know horror and comedy go together a lot or kind of horror and romance like you said Horror and comedy have gone together since the beginning. Right. Um, Even since those first, like your very first episode of your show, you know, there's yeah. like a lot of those were just mm -hmm. kind of sight gags, it sounded like. And exactly. a big part of it was if you were worried about censors getting on your case about ghosts or, you know, monsters or things being too macabre or morbid. I mean, the, for example, in the United States, the censor boards were very, um, religiously driven in the early days and you know catholics protestants um jewish uh denominations you know have very different ideas of like what is a ghost or are there ghosts you know what's the deal with the afterlife and you didn't want to offend anybody you didn't want to blaspheme you know people were really worried about that kind of stuff in the early days of film and so one way you got around that was you pulled the ghost's face off at the end of the movie and it was old man McGillicuddy this entire time. Right. You know, you know, speaking of plots that are parodies now, but used to be done for real, like the Scooby-Doo plot of the monsters, actually just some guy used to be the standard way horror was done in America through the 1920s and doing horror comedy where it all is just jokes actually was a way of softening the blow because people were worried about, shocking people too much at the at the theater right and so like definitely one of your characters who you can have wandering around the park in addition to jason and dracula and jonathan harker and the mummy and all these other uh characters you know have a bumbling comic relief guy wandering through the park who yes. like is always you know and he can maybe be in like the more kids side of the park that's like the halloween monsters side but like have this guy bumbling around who's saying like oh, i'm i'm looking for this you know uh the werewolf have you seen the werewolf i i i don't think he's real but i'm i'm looking for whatever and the werewolf's always like two steps behind him <laughs> right and then when he like turns around to look the werewolf like ducks under a trash can you know and so he doesn't see him and the kids can laugh and be like he's right over there and then every time he looks gone or whatever right like i love that stuff and this could butt up we could put the property right next to our scooby-doo's mystery town which is one of our early episodes of the show <laughs> and because that's like the kid area like that that is kind of a horror tropes for kids in a way absolutely and maybe we could tie in with like we haven't done a simpsons episode yet but i'm sure i feel it in my bones that it's coming but we could have a treehouse of horror area where there's like kang and kodos and some of these like parodies of horror things that are a little bit more kid friendly that could be kind of in the area in between uh that'd be that'd be so fun i love the idea of of i don't know these tropes and what makes horror horror can appeal to anyone you might just want to add a certain flavor for this person and you might want to take out a little piece of it for that person like if you remove the gore the the thrills and the action can be good for like all ages on a lot of these films you know 
Um, or if you just add more jokes, then it's a lot more palatable for a lot more people to get into horror. So there's kind of something for everyone here. And we just, well, I don't know, want to figure out a way of making sure people find the areas that they really are into and are able to avoid the things that are, you know, too traumatic or whatever for them. Um, which I think is, is doable. Like, you know, we could have an area when you first enter where you can pick up like a, some kind of guide that will mm-hmm. give you like uh, a, a route through the park that lets you hit the things you really like. Like if you're a fan of, let's say uh, psychological horror, here are some of your favorite places to go. Or if you absolutely want to avoid zombies, then don't go to these, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like and like, here's the recommended age brackets. Uh-huh for different areas yeah. right so that like you know and have your have your areas where if you're walking into you know let's say you have one of the haunted houses is set up with kind of a meta story you know where it's like you're going through the house but you're trying to figure out like well what's the family what's their deep secret or whatever right as you're going through and you can have mm-hmm. things where you know there's a sign outside that says you know uh content warnings for this ride are xyz yeah, I think having content warnings or trigger warnings somewhere is good because, you know, someone might want to come to this amusement park and just go to the spoopy area. And I think it's worthwhile just saying, like, hey, this area has some, like, limbs being cut off. Maybe you don't want to deal with that today. Sure. Go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and the trick to, like, that kind of stuff is to remember that, like, what is over the line for you might not be for other people and what does go over the line for someone else might be really surprising it might not be the thing that you think right you might have someone go in and it's like oh yeah yeah yeah, the weird incest stuff that that didn't bother me at all but there was that bit where the guy stabbed his eye and i just can't do eye stuff right right right. and you know so having that kind of stuff made clear in the park would be really important not wanting to get um people uh angry with you and filing complaints and things and saying, you know, let's not get sued here. Yeah, exactly. I do feel like there's one big amusement park staple that we haven't hit yet though and that's the roller coaster right what's the roller coaster what's the horror what's the theme on the horror roller coaster i think there's so many that you could do like it could just be a rickety old or even, <laughs> it could just be a, a any kind of roller coaster you but just if put there's... the cyclone from coney island in there and <laughs> it's scary enough on its own i mean if somebody's chasing you like then any roller coaster is like an escape from them, but you know, they're going to be waiting for you when you get off too. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many options. Also, um, Dawn of the dead, I believe several of the dead m- movies have really cool vehicles or maybe they're not the coolest vehicles, but you get to plow through, you know, big sure. hordes of zombies or try to escape them. I think something like that would be really cool. I don't know if it'd be a 4d experience or or what, but that's a place you could have the fast moving zombies who, uh, you know, you go up a hill and then you dip back down. And when you get close to the ground, they're like trying to jump and grab your ankles and stuff. And so everyone on the roller coaster is picking up their feet. I think I love that kind of stuff. (laughs) 
one of my most favorite roller coasters ever was uh, at Universal Studios when I went to the Mummy ride. And this mm. was like, I was young, so I don't know if it's changed. This was probably like 2008 or something. Yeah, I don't know if they have that Mummy ride still, but... Well, they should, because it's good. But uh, it's based all around the, like, 1999, The Mummy. So it wouldn't really work to just transplant into our horror theme park. But what I liked about it is it sets the mood as you're going in with, like, references from the movie. Um, this basically, like, sets as you're lining up. And when you're going in the ride, it's almost like you're going on a little adventure. And at one point... The floor electri um, it, while you're in the vehicle, the floor electrifies, and it feels like the scarabs are running up your legs. Wow. And what, <laughs> I, what I would like to take from that into this is, yes, being stalked by something, um, but have it be something that, like, it would not be feasible to do in a suit or something for an actor out on the park, but you're being stalked by something. And every time you go around a corner, you see a glimpse of them. And then as you're coming at the end, you pass by them, like maybe just overhead or something like that. Um, and have that electrified floor. So it feels like maybe they're grabbing your feet or something like that. Almost like maybe a Godzilla ride. Okay. So I was just about to say this. So build, <laughs> Like a fifty foot tall Godzilla, okay, no problem. Exactly, <laughs> no problem at all. Sky's the limit here. Uh, we build a fifty foot tall Godzilla, and then you make the cars in the roller coaster train up to look like fighter jets, <laughs> and you get everyone into the fighter jets, and then you have this path that goes around Godzilla as if you are coming down for strafing runs, and then like. You know, have a have have the Godzilla, fifty foot Godzilla be mildly, just mildly, like animatronic, so that like its mouth can open and close just as you're passing through its jaws, or the eyes are just always um, timed on like a gear system so that they're always looking at the roller coaster train, no matter That's where it great. is. Yeah. You know, and the, the the one hand moves slightly, slowly up and down to as if to swipe you as you go by, so that like. No matter and and have the route be so that no matter where you are, he's always at least in your peripheral vision, you know. And you can go under the legs and then up around the spines and stuff like that. That's that's what I would do. That's so cool. And maybe the, in the story or whatever, you have some kind of like tow cable. You have to like add at Walker <laughs> this guy, so you have to like keep flying around him. I think that's really cool. What a fun idea. Love it. I was I was thinking it might be cool to do it where uh, it feels like there's like a stalker after you or a slasher guy keeps appearing at different points along the coaster. But then it's like, but then why are you on a roller coaster? So I'm like, what if there's some kind of like trippy, like psychological thing? Like I'm thinking, I don't know what exactly we tie into something like um, color out of space or like yes. Mandy oh. or some really beautiful, like visual thing mm -hmm. where you're just kind of like tripping out a little bit and there's like really crazy colors everywhere. But this guy is like chasing me and you keep running into him. 
So it's almost like you're having like an out of body experience. Yeah, it's it's all Nicolas Cage colorful movies, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's that's. I didn't even mean to do that. That's hilarious. Uh, I love this idea. This is great. I do think you need one area of the park that is like your cosmic horror um, Mm -hmm. thing, where you're just like the madness of uh, you know the being an insignificant. Uh, pinprick compared to these, you know, elder beings or whatever. I don't know how you translate that into a in an, an amusement park right. experience, though. Like, how do you how do you bring that in? Because a lot I, of it is kind of boring. Like the actual action right. in almost any Lovecraft story is very boring. It's just yeah. what it means that's scary, or it's what you think about what's happening that's scary. You know, yeah, like, yeah. It's it's you have to have that sense of like becoming very small. I mean, mm-hmm. the entire the entirety of like Lovecraft's whole deal was done as a joke. In um, gosh, I think it's Restaurant at the End of the Universe by Douglas Adams, but where he has this machine that you can put someone in that like impresses upon their psyche just how small they are by showing them themselves like from a third person perspective and then it just like keeps zooming out Hmm. ad infinitum (laughs) into the universe and like it it renders the person like completely insane like completely catatonic um wow but like that's lovecraft's whole deal yeah you you would need some way of just making people feel like there's just things that they can never fully understand. Right. Um, and I don't know how you translate that into an amusement park. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know if you can, because the power of Lovecraft stories comes in with your imagination, right? right? You imagine, you imagine what's there. And if we were to create something for the amusement park, it's what we imagine for you. So it, it there's, disconnect there what i think you could do is something with like um you know like his story rats in the walls like something where you're moving Mm -hmm. through a space and you're hearing things Mm. and you're never able to quite get a glimpse of them right you can do the unsettling part really well Mm. but it's hard to create dread for somebody else or like revelations on behalf of you know what i mean it's hard to design that but i love the idea of just doing a just more spooky spaces that have really good sound design and like maybe there's like a smell that emits that's just like off-putting or just things that are a little trippy you know this this wall is at a weird angle and you don't really notice it but it just feels like something's not quite right like you could try to capture that feeling of unease um through through just kind of visual stuff i think and and the sensory stuff you can definitely have that like that low bass tone that like you can't hear but if it's playing like makes people feel really uneasy right um or the other fun thing if you have a good haunted house design is you can do a lot of really old-fashioned smoke and mirrors stuff so like you can do a room like i have an idea of like you go into a room right and you turn a corner and it's this dark room and in the corner maybe there's someone sitting in a chair with like a little candle on the nightstand so you can just barely see them in the dim light and if you walk towards them have it be so that there isn't a room there's just a long hallway and it's in pitch black 
And so what you can do in pitch black is you can basically make it so that that image they're seeing is actually just like a projected reflection on a mirror and have that mirror that that is being projected onto set that up on like a rail that's motorized so that as you move towards that person you think you see it moves back with you so you can you just keep walking into this room that you never get to the other side of wow i do think that's something that people are so like diehard about um haunted mansion at at disney world or disneyland Mm. disney world about is just those old school tricks like i think Mm -hmm. showcasing those would be so cool and maybe even doing like a behind the scenes kind of thing where you get to kind of see how some of those special effects are done. And ooh, that could be a cool podcast going through the history of, of tricks, you know, like cinematography <laughs> tricks. Um, because that would just be, I love that stuff. You have a, you have a thing where like you ingratiate yourself to whatever town you've built this amusement park next to by having a thing where like, you know, once a year, the kids from the elementary school get to come and see all the behind the scenes stuff or something like that, right? Oh, that's awesome. Um, Ben, did we hit your favorite uh, subgenre of horror? No. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, my favorite subgenre is folk horror. Uh, cool. So, like the original Wicker Man from 1973, uh, which, by the way, if you're listening to this and you only know the Wicker Man is the Nicolas Cage movie from like the 2000s, um, just like purge that, like, take <laughs> that, throw it in a garbage can, you're done, and seek out the original British film from the 70s, um, particularly if you can find the director's cut. Um, but any version you watch is going to be good because that's probably one of my favorite horror movies of all time. And it's so weird and different and unsettling and it's all in like broad daylight. There's no spooky shadows. It's, it's all just right there for you. Um, but you know, you need to have somewhere on the park, just like, and, and what's funny about it is you can put like a maypole and like a merry-go-round and like really like low-key non-threatening stuff and just (laughs) these really friendly people with flower crowns and and white gowns who just really want you to join their you know ceremony to the great horned lord or whatever (laughs) you know have some have some good witches and some good uh just like weird stuff where you know women who are gonna like come up to small children and be like oh you should come with us away from your parents and we'll feed you to our our coven you know and uh (laughs) something like that you know and and just like a really weird sort of thing where it's a really pleasant part of the park with like Mm -hmm. green grass and birds and stuff but just stuff everything about it's just like a little off just a little not right i love that and that could be you know there could be a food area over there it's just like a nice green space it can just be a place to relax and you don't really realize like oh these people are all actors yeah like why why do they look so happy and like why do they have that dead look in their eyes yes i love that you can get like some some nice like um you know traditional like weird folk foods and things but also 
there's just a guy walking around with like a paper mache rabbit mask for no reason. <laughs> you don't know what, what his deal is. I'd love that. And like big sculptures made out of like straw and mm. wood and and yeah. really like unusual forms of architecture, like especially if you mm-hmm. can tie it into the local culture, like this could have been, you know, what early settlers mm-hmm. of this area would have maybe looked like or something like that. What if it's like a replica of the small town that you're next to, but everything's just a little off? Ooh. It's like like a more modern day type thing, are you picturing, Sarah? No, I, I, I'm imagining like a small town and it would be like, you know, contemporary looking, but in the park, it's like everything looks kind of the same, but something's a little off. Like maybe someone who lives in the town, like, oh, the, po- the post office isn't supposed to be there, right? It's, it's supposed to be over there. And yeah, like Main Street USA at Disneyland, but everything's just like not quite right. Exactly. That's fun. Yeah. And I, those visual tricks you, you mentioned earlier of like, you know, not completely being straight or something. I really like the um, the folklore, the local folklore idea, because so many, you know, localities in, um, you know, especially the United States all have like their weird local cryptid. Yeah. And like urban that, legends and. Right. Yeah. Definitely, definitely do like an area, you know, where. Um, I don't know how many other places do stuff like this. I'm sure it's fairly common. We live in Calgary in um, Alberta, Canada. And uh, there there's um, this uh, place you can go to, Fort Calgary, that's like a replica of the RCMP uh, Mountie Fort that was sort of the progenitor of the city, right? So it's like a little wood fort with, you know, a wood... uh, fence like a log fence and then there's you know stuff inside and whatever right and it's just this cool place you can go to that you know the elementary school will take the kids to for history stuff and whatever right that kind of thing do something like that where it's like it's the town but what the town looked like in you know 17 whatever or 16 whatever and then and then just make it really unsettling like make them all satanists or something right <laughs> yeah that's great and you can connect it into the lore of the park too like we just watched um hocus pocus the other day and it's like it's kind of cool that it starts out in the 1600s and then it like time jumps 300 years into modern day and it's like that's pretty cool like i think the idea of doing that would be neat like maybe that area is could be in certain storylines you could set it so that part is actually in the past and you meet these people who are ancestors of these modern day, you know, whatever that's chasing you around. So you could change the storyline around. If you have, you know, ghosts or zombies or undead or whatever in some of the other areas of the park, yeah, you go into this one place and you're back in town and you you meet them, right? You meet the witches before they were burned and stuff, right? Yeah, or even if it is just kind of a modern day thing, like you're like, I can't quite tell if this is like a Ren Fair or like Civil War reenactment or a cult mm-hmm. but, but either way you know you can kind of tour around that area and maybe learn some of the the lore of the town even if it's not yeah. actual time travel it's just these people are dressed kind of funny i'm gonna go check this out and and get some food over here and in the park it can be a place where you can just chill and rest for a bit right because mm-hmm. there's nothing super coming at you 
but it still maintains the horror atmosphere because everyone around you is still just really weird and bizarre. That's great. I, I also love the idea of the daytime thing. I mean, I guess a lot of, uh, I don't know, most horror, I guess, is largely indoors or nighttime, mm-hmm. but it can be really spooky outside in daylight, too. Um, so I, I'm kind of excited to, to imagine this park during the day. Well, and you yeah. have to you have to have some stuff that's scary for daytime because you're not going to have your park just be open, you know, from seven to two Right. Or whatever, uh, you know, every day with shortening hours in the summer season, like, nah, man, you got, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you want to get some good money on this thing because it's going to cost a lot of money because we built a 50 foot animatronic Godzilla, right? That's, that's <laughs> not going to pay for itself. So it needs to be open during the day for sure. Right. So yeah, having, having the spooky stuff, you know, where you, you go to the merry-go-round and there's always like at least four or five cast members who are riding it and they're just like people in like you know 1950s clothes but they're wearing like strange animal masks and they're like you know the instead of mary Garan will have like the little like uh, music box kind of music that plays and they're singing along to it in perfect unison you know and yeah that's so creepy Uh, it'd be cool too to do music box renditions of different like classic horror themes or Mm. you know themes from anything you can run them through like that little piano player or whatever's going on back there um but that'd be so cool and then you could have uh the horses and stuff on the on like a carousel could just like there's a, a button that an operator hits and they just start like bleeding out of their eyes or like <laughs> <laughs> their eyes like light up or something you right. could have you could flip a switch somewhere once in a while and really freak people out i do think that like the people working there, we have to have really good health insurance because <laughs> people are going to get punched in the face. Like yeah. that's just a hazard of the job. So we have to have good health insurance. Especially in the gift shop where we'll put a cast member who is playing the scariest person of all, which is um, just a middle-aged uh, white person wearing no masks, just arguing with the employees in the gift shop about how their <laughs> freedom is being impinged upon. Oh my um, God. Oh man. The scariest monster. Yes. The monster that walks among us. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's so much cool stuff here. And it's like, it's such a, a land of whimsy still. Like there's so many things around every corner to explore and even if there's not that much stuff it feels like there's so much more stuff uh, we could keep adding to this park endlessly you know and do different events like we said throughout the year um and come up with different storylines where now uh freddy krueger is in you know like the sci-fi area you can do all kinds of different mashups you know like we talked about yeah have the krampus on the loose in the christmas <laughs> season going after the you know children who haven't behaved right uh-huh. Yes, absolutely. That's awesome. Oh man, and all that you could have, you know, the the Baba Duke. You could have Slenderman. You can have all kinds of. Well, you were you were talking about having a monster that is just there, right? Yeah. Like doesn't follow you. The yeah, the Baba Duke is is what you want for that, where you just turn around and there he is. And and we haven't even talked about having like a German expressionism silent horror ear uh, area that can be for all your Tim Burton fans, where everything. Yes black and white and like spiral patterns and weird when you were talking about angles about that that kind of uh trick uh projection on a mirror thing Mm. or i was thinking like 
that would work so well maybe in one of the i want to do a tim burton theme park at some point because i love the the films that he's you know worked on not just as a director but producer and everything there's so many cool uh you know just visuals that have that have come out of that dude so that's going to be a future theme park i'm pretty sure um but yeah there's there's so much that can be encompassed here like it it matches up with so many diverse things that i feel like we could just keep doing sequels to this episode you know like every year i mean that's that's horror that's horror baby yeah it is horror right and it keeps evolving and even just you guys are are what in 1954 right now in your chronological history and there's i feel like you've covered so much and it's already so diverse and that's before we get to the 60s right that's like before diversity is really a thing so I don't know. I'm I'm so excited to keep thinking about this theme park and keep listening to your podcast and uh, keep watching horror movies. Thank it's you. Awesome. Thanks. I think when you when you franchise this park out, like whatever you call it, like if you just call it Horrorland, um, you know when other locations open up, right? Like your your Tokyo Horrorland and your Singapore Horrorland. Instead of calling them that, what you do is you call them Horrorland: The Return. Son of Horrorland. <laughs> of Horrorland. Bride of Horrorland. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> There's sequels. This location yes. is a sequel to that other location. It's that's like New right. York, I guess, right? <laughs> New Jersey. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> and then you get into the confusing thing of like, which Halloween 2 are you talking about? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but yeah, to the listener, if, if you are a fan of these two human beings and their content, you should check out Scream Scene in your favorite podcast app or Spotify, or it's at underscore Scream Scene on Twitter. Um, I know you guys do other stuff aside from the podcast. Uh, Sarah, I know you make music. It's really cool. I've checked it out as Stego Sarah's. And Ben, you're a DM, right? You sell some yes. stuff online, too. Yeah, I uh, have some adventures that are on sale on the Dungeon Masters Guild, which is Wizard of the Coast's um, like third-party publishing platform. Uh, so you can find D and D adventures that I've written up there. I'm actually going to be putting up a D and D haunted house adventure that I run at conventions up for sale this month. Um, so watch for that. <laughs> I'm so stoked! That's awesome. Anything else you guys want to uh, promote while you're here? No, I think I think you got it. Yeah. You can look at the uh, list, the Scream Scene Best to Worst list at uh, screamscenepodcast.tumblr.com. Did I get that right, Sarah? You sure did. Awesome. And uh, yeah, you can also uh, drop us uh, some support over at our Patreon on patreon.com slash screamscenepodcast. I also really appreciate that at the end of each of your episodes, you have kind of a call to action to like, uh, come, you know, at us if you don't agree with this list like come talk to us about how we screwed up like i really appreciate you know promoting feedback positive or negative like it's kind of a cool a cool way to do it instead of just say like comment subscribe it's like let's have a dialogue here let's like talk about why we messed up or whatever that's the whole thing with ranking them because like where we rank something someone might completely disagree with and we've had people submit appeals and we've discussed them and, and moved some things on the list. Um, 
So yeah, we we greatly encourage people to send appeals or even just like, you know, I, I agree with your placement here. We like to hear this too. One thing that's <laughs> been really helpful is people sending us movies that we might have missed. Like, because we're mm -hmm. trying to do every horror movie ever made. Well, that's that's no small order. And there's definitely times where we've missed something and people have been like, oh, you need to go back and take a look at this. And it's like, oh, okay, great. Because we would have never heard of it without that person. I, I think I might be a very specific type of nerd, but I love when an episode comes out and it's like, oh, this one's earlier in the sequence. Like, oh my gosh, they missed one. <laughs> like, that's kind of weirdly exciting when you see a... Uh, episode B come up yes. you know, in the in the feed. I'm like, oh my gosh, they missed one. We get to go back in time again. It's, yes. it's kind of a treat. It doesn't happen that often, so it's oh. kind of exciting when a new discovery has been made. You know, I love I love hearing that. I I I I really wanted to do it so that earlier episodes were the episode number B, so that if you were downloading the show and they were sorted, you know, alphabetically or numerically, right in your in your folder, that then the um insert episodes would appear properly in sequence so that's so cool but yeah thank you two so much for being on the show ben and sarah you were wonderful guests i think this is one of our most like open-ended theme parks but i also feel like we got a handle on it like i feel like we can open you know we've got at least the day one attraction set we can always keep evolving awesome Amazing. yeah, yeah thank, thank you so much for having, having us <laughs> thanks for being on guys have a good one you too, you too. Oh man, I remember I used to work in retail and the first time I ever did like the announcement thing, like a PA, mm. I said bye and hung up and I was like, oh, that's <laughs> such a beginner move. Like, God. No, that's so, um, that's so pure. <laughs> right, well, idiotic, I guess, is another word for it. <laughs> Two sides of the same coin and that's, that's my coin. <laughs>